0: You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rizowski. Bruce Reigns is our guest today on ADD Comedy with Dave Rizowski. Bruce is a bit of a departure from our standard guest in that his background isn't in comedy, it's in news. Bruce recently retired as the CBS News Deputy Bureau Chief here on the West Coast. Bruce has covered firsthand the Royal Wedding in London, Hurricane Katrina, the Iraq War, the O.J. Simpson trial, the Michael Jackson trial, and countless earthquakes, floods, and wildfires. It's an awesome conversation with someone who's got quite an opinion about the state of the Fourth Estate. It's a good one. All right, I'll catch you at the other side.
1: When I was working, you know, I would get, like, so involved with all these issues that are going on all over the world and having to keep an eye, an eye on things that might happen on the world and things like that. And it was, sometimes it would get too much. And I would think
0: that it would get too much a lot. And yeah.
1: Because it seems
0: like when... Okay, so I'm I'm a very mindful person mm-hmm. and I'm very mindful about things that are coming into my like what goes on in the news and it's like okay all this stuff is happening in the news and then what's going on in my personal life and what's going on in my business life and what's going on with with my girlfriend and what's going on with my apartment or and, and i have a choice of going i have a choice of saying i'm going to pay attention to that i'm not going to pay attention to that yeah. i'm not going to pay attention to that yeah. so it's a very you know, it's a very mindful way but i would imagine that when you're working in the news business that you would there's you you have to look at something for me I can look at it go I'm not really interested in that
1: but you would look at it go I'm not really interested in that wait a minute am I not really interested in that Exactly right you know and and you know when I you know what in my job entailed was being you know at CBS News you know deputy bureau chief we covered our main responsibility was the 12 western states you know based we were based in Los Angeles but we had to cover the 12 western states so anything that was going on basically in the western third of the country stuff that I had to keep track of. And, you know, it would be great if it stopped after, you know, the 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day and I could go home and have, you know, dinner and watch a TV show. But I was constantly on the email and everything like that or getting a phone call at two o'clock in the morning you know something is you know, some wildfire started somewhere in the middle of nowhere Idaho but it's threatening a bunch of houses and stuff like that how how do we get this covered and how do we get it covered right now right and you know that's the one big problem with the news business these days is the you know is there's no longer you know the 24-hour cycle is has, has ended it's a 24-second cycle right and you know everything seems to have immediate importance right now and I certainly could take that when I was in my 20s and in my 30s and in my 40s and in the first part of my 50s but then it just got to be like I, I cannot pay attention and devote all of this and not devote to myself and to my wife and my family and you know all that stuff right right yeah
0: and, and, and I love the idea of
1: the like
0: you could do that in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and the first part of your 50s. Yeah. And because I wouldn't for me looking at my life where I I travel so much yeah. and it's not as intense as with you because when I travel I get to go oh I'm going to go take another walk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> go you know? out to dinner and have a nice and take pictures of <laughs> exactly. the great food I'm eating. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: So I I for me I'm able to to do that in 20s and 30s in, uh, and I'm also able to teach a class uh, 7 to 10 on Friday, teach a class uh, 10 to 5 on Saturday, 10 to 5 on Sunday, maybe do a show Sunday night, mm-hmm. Saturday night or yeah. maybe do a couple shows and I'm able to do that but as I get older, I'm realizing, wait a minute, this feeling that I had was a feeling that I had last week, I might be
1: exhausted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and you know the, the thing is like at least... I think in your profession and what you do and what a lot of other people do, you know, they're they're looking at Twitter, they're looking at Facebook, and but you can like put down Twitter and you can put down Facebook for a while. In for network news, Twitter became our assignment manager, and every little tweet, no matter how insignificant or unimportant it was, was uh, something that uh, you know had to at least respond to and certainly investigate at some point. Right. Right, and and there's so much bullshit on there too
0: yeah. of people saying, if I'm, if I'm adjacent to being provocative, yeah. I will get attention.
1: Yeah, and and that's what
0: they learn because if they go, I'm going to be amazingly provocative, you'll go, That's a bullshit story. But if they go, if they if they know how to tease you.
1: Yeah, and I'm of two minds of it. I mean, you know, right now. In order to be in the conversation, to be in, engaged in the world, you've got to be on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. You know, you have to you you have to engage with people. But it's like at some some point, it gets to be you've got to be a a a consumer, a a critical consumer of what you're doing with whatever social media or newspaper or website or anything like that that you're. With. Yeah, right,
0: right, 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 and. And I, it's interesting that it's interesting to, to talk with you about this because um, we're the same age, right? Yeah, we're right. the same age, yep. and we're we're in our mid late fifties. Uh, we're the same age, and so y- you and I are connected to social media from different angles, coming from different yes. angles. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, and yet there are people that are our age that are not connected to social media at, at, at this level at all. And it's just so interesting to me that, you know, somebody said, oh, my grandchildren turned me on to, to to Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever. And to hear them say that, and I'm going, you just said, oh, my grandchildren. And I'm, I went to high school with you. How the fuck does that happen? Yeah. So we're
1: connected in a way that
0: those people aren't connected.
1: Yeah. And... It's a weird new web of society that's happening, right? Know? And then it's something that people our age—we're kind of caught in the middle. People younger than us, this is the normal thing, like that, and this is—you know—this is what their life is, and they have adapted to it, and it's fine. People older than us, you know, for the most part, by and large, are a little disconnected. When I say older, you know, people who are like twenty years older or something oh like that, oh my than gosh, us, yeah. you know, they're kind of disconnected from this and 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 everything. But you and I and people in, around our age, in our forties and fifties early 60s have to navigate what it was and what it is yeah what it was and what it is and and to go to know that the what it the what it is part
0: do i really need that that's a huge part of it too do i need to be a part of snapchat i don't know i never needed it i don't know you know i do tumblr and i used to really that used to be just an amazing time suck for me because it was like oh what an interesting art because i usually do art stuff on tumblr and, and and to look at it in that way and to say wait am i is my life Ticking away, yeah. or if this were an art book, a, t- a coffee table top art book, mm-hmm. instead of it being an e art book, would I feel the same way about wasting my time? Yeah, you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. guys have coffee tables with art. You've you've you have art books. Sure. Yes. You know, and how often do you look at it? But yeah, but still, oh my God, and and in also in what you're doing, there's. In what you've done and what
1: you've retired from, um, there was an excitement factor too, wasn't there? Definitely there was an excitement factor when I was, you know, certainly when I was younger and everything like that. Even In my 20s, I worked, you know, I started out in working in a low-level job at the network, but then... Mainly through my 20s, I was at, I was in local actually, news. Actually, you started before that. You didn't just come right in at the network. You started in local news. Well, no, actually, I mean, uh, after graduation, uh, you know, we're, we're both from Chicago. Right. And I, my first job after graduation was with the city news bureau of oh, sure. Chicago, you know, which was the grunt-level kids going to the police stations and you had to, you know, crank out, you know, six or seven stories. But started that, and started, started that started way. Royco started that way, right. It Kurt Kurt was very good, you know. Way. I was only there for two months, because it was horrendous i mean it it is a a, a grind but i'm now, let me just back it up sure, just to give people. Sure. Because
0: I don't think many people know what the City News, okay. News Bureau is. Yeah. And and City News Bureau was essentially uh, the, the 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 major newspapers in Chicago would use would have stringers there. Yeah, right. Would have would have young cub reporters going in. Right. To to cover the dog barking story.
1: That's right. It's a consortium of the newspapers and also the the television stations there that you know they they kind of fund it. They pay for it, and it, it was a wire service that was cranked out in my time on paper and uh, yeah. a little teletype Well, thing. you know I have a degree in photojournalism. Yes. And so I have a background in journalism as well,
0: yeah. having worked for newspapers too. So I love talking about that. Yeah, okay, I yeah. love talking. But keep going. So the stringers at the
1: City News. Yeah, so, you know, and then my, my job, my first uh, assignment was uh, 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. West Side, And you
0: did two somewhere. months. You just were there two months. Two months
1: because I was very fortunate. Another opportunity came up with ABC News to mm-hmm. be a production associate at that time. World News Tonight was anchored by three people: Frank Reynolds in um, Washington, Peter Jennings in London, and Max Robinson in Chicago. And I got a job working as Max Robinson's. I started as his broadcast associate. I became his temporary writer for a time, and and uh, you know, and worked at ABC News for for a couple of years. I'm gonna go back to right. uh, I'm gonna go back to uh, what you you said. So
0: you're working to... You your assignment was. 5 p.m. to 2 a.m.
1: Right. on Chicago's West Side. Yep. So they threw you right into, they threw you into the West Side. Yes. And I'm a, you know, a 22-year-old white guy white guy kid, you know, <laughs> who went to Northwestern University and was, you know, and I grew up the in Cincinnati. The Mattel School. Right. And I, went uh-huh. and I grew up in Cincinnati and, mm-hmm. and I didn't, you know, I, I went to school with a bunch of black kids but i was never on the mean streets and you know this was like you walk in and you have to prove yourself to the detectives on duty they've got to like you know trust you even though there's a little hazing that goes on that's part of the job and what kind of hazing would that you know they would they they would like you know kind of give you like phony stories saying they they had like this phony story and and it's, it's a great story and here's a guy you can talk to about it and uh you know it's it's this is going to be uh this is going to be good but um uh, you know, it turns out to be not true. But, you know. but then, you know, once they get to know, then they do stuff that's kind of brought you into their kind of world, mm-hmm. which was not exactly, you know, the by the book. Right. World, you know, like a couple of times this one detective would like call me and they'd they'd pick up some guy and they'd say, okay, say to me, you're the uh, assistant district attorney now and we need you to ask him some questions and see what happens. Wow, wow,
0: wow, wow. And does anybody set you, does anybody, see, Medill wouldn't know to help you with that. No. Your your journalism school, your journalism education. I mean,
1: I knew not to use that information that I would, you know, for a story. But I also knew that I had to create a bond and a relationship with these people who I'm sitting at a desk in, in the cop shop, you know, at the, you know, the Chicago night, Police Department, yeah, and all night, right? And it's you know, it's it's quite something. I, you know, it, so you would sit in the lobby and just no, wait for the phone to ring. No, okay. I would sit up in the where the department. The I would usually sit in homicide, but sometimes I, in violent crimes. But sometimes I'd sit in, uh, you know, in in the uh, in vice or something like that. Uh-huh. And a little desk that they had designated for the city news reporter, right, right. And that was the that's where I sat, I and mean, you just kind of had to like you made beat calls to other. Police stations, but you also had to like talk around, and see what's going on. You talk to the desk sergeant, you talk to the detectives. You know what's anything good going on? You know, right? And if there's some call that you hear or something going on, then you go out in the uh, middle you, of the night to a murder Did you scene. have
0: a um, a
1: scanner? No, I didn't have a scanner. The uh, at at headquarters, at C- city news headquarters, they had scanners, and uh-huh. if they heard something that I wasn't hearing, they would call me and they would... They would uh, call you where? On the phone and the desk. They at the ph- there was no cell phones or anything like that, <laughs> I know. you know. That's I, 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 like, uh, I,
0: I know this, but I just got to hear it. Yeah, I had, line,
1: I had a line at the police station. I, had a, you know. I worked, uh, I, uh, it was
0: 1979, 78. I was at Northern Illinois uh, University, 78, 79. And I was the, uh, we, we had a paper, the, the Northern Star. And it was a daily. And it was a really cool to be... I was a photo editor of the Daily. Mm-hmm. And it was a Daily paper. Uh, and uh, I boy, I flunked out that year. I still was hanging on by my fingers. to, But I love working with the newspaper shift. And I got a phone call from the Sun-Times saying, we'd like for you to be a, you know, one of our stringers out, out there if you could. And I was yeah. like, terrific. So they sent this big... I got a box in the mail uh, the size of a shoebox... A little bigger than a shoebox, and I opened it up, and it was a canister attached to a plastic base that you plugged in, and there was a bunch of wires, and you plugged these wires into the telephone, and you plugged the, the this thing into, and it and essentially was a fax machine, oh yeah, an ancient fax machine, <laughs> yeah. and uh, whenever they would <laughs> it would take literally two hours <laughs> to send a photograph yeah. from from DeKalb. To Chicago
1: yeah, in point zero zero five resolution or something. Oh my like god. That, yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> I still have
0: the picture going, I cannot believe that it was of that quality. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't believe that it was of that quality. And and but to to think about the times that like how much has changed. Yeah, yeah. And also that you're sitting at this desk waiting for something bad to happen.
1: Oh, definitely. And that's, you know, that that is another reason why I felt it was time. At this point to leave because my life has mostly been about bad news, about catching people at the worst time of their lives. And when I was in my 20s, and my 30s, and my 40s, it was like, okay, you know, these things happen, and we have to tell people about it. And you know, maybe by telling people about it, you know, that brings some sort of understanding to the world, and maybe a little bit of comfort to the person that it that it affects. You know, like I was in like I was in Katrina in new orleans for you know a month and then went back several times after that and that was just you know that i i've never that misery was unbelievable you know but i got through that and i afterwards i felt well at least you know the people have seen that this was a problem and and you know people open their their you know hearts to help. their wallets or and their whatever. wallets and everything right. but but You know, then it just gets to a point where it just builds up and builds up, and I don't want to like you know intrude on anybody's misery anymore.
0: Was there a tipping point? And and I'll I'll tell you why. I I was in a theater company. My first foray into improvisation was with a company called Geese Theater Company, and we performed in prisons across the United States. Mm -hmm. And it was non-comedic, educational, not really rehabilitation, but educational the show that we did the particular particular show that we did was about being connected from when you're when you're incarcerated to be connected to the people that are outside uh-huh. to make sure that you still have that lifeline yeah, to good. remind you that the world that you're living in right now is not the world that, that you're in yeah you know that's the world that you're living in right now mm-hmm. and there's another world out there
1: right that's so
0: great. and we would use a lot of news and to say look get the paper read the paper know that you are in here, but that's not all that's going on. And there was a point where I I was just there for... I I had a a year contract and I was just there for 10 months because I couldn't take it. Um, And I had a girlfriend at the time who was also traveling. with us. We were touring on a a 1963 1963 53-foot International Harvester three-speed school bus. A lot of threes in there. It was really awesome. Converted into a (laughs) shithole. So they converted it into a shithole. And... um, I remember we'd listen to the news and we'd really hunkered down on the news, hunkered down listening to the news, reading the paper, um, analyzing the news, looking at the people whose lives were affected by this. And there was one one story, where I remember we were in Pennsylvania on the turnpike, there was one story we were listening to and I watched my girlfriend listening to this story and it was a family who had been, uh, like the husband and wife went downstairs and went to get a drink and the building burned down and their three children were killed. Oh. Alright, so... I watched my girlfriend listen to that story and I watched her have a nervous breakdown. I watched that tipping point. I was able to go, she just lost it and she was inconsolable and we had to put her on a plane in the middle of fucking nowhere and send her back to Iowa. So that's, that was a tipping point. Yeah, Was there a tipping point?
1: I I don't know if there's a tipping point, but one time I do remember about really being emotionally affected uh by what i was doing was at columbine I, w- I was sent to columbine when that happened that you know hor- horrific school shooting which is kind of like the that was the tipping point for school shootings you know in america then and, and um that was the tipping point in what way the tipping point in terms of of noting the seriousness of the disaffection that some students or children or something like that had and how they were able to take action that we did Act not out. conceive of before yes. there were school shootings before but nothing like columbine before right. i mean that was the horrific thing but um and i just remember when i was there and you know i was there for a month and um and i remember after, at the end of the first week it was a friday we were and i was cutting the piece for evening news and um editing it editing it right mm-hmm. uh, for for evening news and I, it just suddenly all built up in me, and I kind of like started crying. You didn't kind of. I did start crying. It was, <laughs> and I started crying hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Were you alone? No, I was with the editor, and I was with the correspondent. Uh, we were What's the correspondent? Of the, the correspondent was Joan Blackstone that I was working with that uh-huh. particular day. He's a great, great correspondent who's based in San Francisco. And um, we're, oh,
0: at this time, you were working for KGO.
1: No, I was working at, at CBS News. You were still at CBS because you also worked at KGO before that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah great, before great. that. But, but I'm, I'm just trying. yeah. No, no, I understand. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I didn't meet John until I moved to Los Angeles, and John was part of CBS okay, News. So anyway, but but you know, it just like kind of all built up, and and you know, everybody said you know, I feel the same way and everything. They weren't, like, you know, as demonstrative as me, but it really, like, hit me, the, the the overwhelmingness of what had happened to these people and how I knew and was proven right that society was going to change after after Columbine, and not necessarily for the better, but it was just going to to enter this whole new other weird world where a mass school shooting is something that, is likely to happen any given day, right of the week. Wow, wow! And to sit back and to say,
0: uh, to sit back and know this is a seminal part of American history. Yeah, yeah. And not in a good way. Right, right. And certainly on so many different levels, Bruce, because it's also it's on the level of, uh, uh, it's on the level of schools. It's on the level of bullying. Mm. It's on the level of disenfranchised. It's on the level of goths you know, yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. It's on It's on the level of family, yeah. of drugs, of security, and it's also on the level of, huh, news coverage. News coverage. Also, had gun availability. And gun availability. You don't yeah. have to start with that. Yeah. But, but, but again, to look at it and to say, had you ever experienced that, um, uh, how can you say it, the, the amount of, the amount of trucks that were there yeah
1: there was never yeah that's that's another thing that was also around around columbine time in the late 90s 1999 when that was when that happened was when an event became something that was bigger than the local news of it and 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 whatever network news cover. people right. from all over from florida from canada from everywhere we're coming there because they could, because you have a satellite truck that can instantly get stuff back to you, and you can personalize your coverage for your local market. But, you know, sometimes it's like, is that necessary? Is that, uh, you know, that's... Well, what's the answer to that? I don't you know, know what the answer is because it's it's, it's ingrained. I mean, there's no, there's no way to, to turn that off now. Now, you know, and especially with the prevalence of different forms of media, not only television and radio newspapers, but now you have everything on the internet and not only just a website, but a Twitter and a Facebook and Snapchat and all this other stuff. You know, all that beast needs to be fed in some way. And there's plenty of people who are willing to feed that beast in one way or another. And then the consumers need that beast, need themselves fed more and more and more and more and frequently, more frequently and more frequently. And it just gets to be like, how do you like get some perspective right uh, Amy Goodwin did you listen to, uh, did you see that clip that Amy Goodwin did
0: I did um, on Democracy Now yeah exactly and um, I'm going to turn this up a little bit Okay. I think um, and what she was saying was essentially that mm-hmm. the, the fact that that we're not really paying much attention I, I we're not critically looking at what what's, what's happening right what we're doing is we're, we're going ah, give me more give me more give me more of that as opposed to saying we're, what energy, we're putting all this energy into Trump at the, at the, just because it's so, it's so, it's a fire and it's a car accident yeah. and it's all these things to look at and not realizing there's shit that we're not talking about.
1: Yeah. But let me say this about Trump, about my, my I know the, the criticism is that the, the networks, especially the cable news networks, just put up a Trump. Rally and Trump and it's, you know, it's, it's live and you hear the whole Trump thing. Hmm. Well, in 1954, you know, McCarthyism was at its peak and uh, Edward R. Murrow did a show. CBS. Uh, see it now. that right. uh, And it was devoted to McCarthyism and what he was doing and how awful it was. But if you go back and you watch that show or you read the transcript or something, you can find it on the Internet or you can watch the show on the Internet. What it was basically for most of the half hour was Murrow playing clips unadulterated of things that McCarthy said, and he just there was just very short interspersal inter- uh, uh, things that he said, the and Murrow then said. And the Murrow said, and then at the end, uh, you know, Murrow made the famous you know uh closing, which you know, this bolt. Ball- your Bruce Lies, not in our stars, but in ourselves, you know, basically saying, look, this is what this guy is. But it was basically letting the American people just see what he had to say and judge for themselves how horrible it was. And, I mean, that was the beginning of the infirm. And then the Army McCarthy hearings were then broadcast live. Sir, have you no... Yeah, have you... The, the, long last, have you no de- decency. Right. And... uh you know, and those were broadcast without any editorial interference, and you just saw what was happening uh, to him, and that was the downfall of McCarthy, and you know all that the the media is doing today is showing people what what Trump slash McCarthy is saying, and at the end, every time I've watched something, uh, one of his things on on uh, CNN or MSNBC or whatever. There's there's analysts who say, okay, you know, he said this, and this is impossible, and this is racist, and this is this, and this is that. I don't think that the media can really fairly be condemned for uh, showing people what's what this guy Trump is saying. You are – the media may be a little bit um, – uh, optimistic that the public is going to look at it critically and think about it critically
0: do they do, do does the god the media is such a big word yes. it's just it's, it's like, uh, yes. oh my god uh, okay so i used to I'll be, be yeah when, you
1: know, when we started when i started it used to be the media was tv and radio and newspapers but but you, and you added
0: an element you just added an element now where you said you said uh the media is optimistic is that what you said yes okay and to say the media is optimistic i'm wondering does the media even think about that or is it because again we're we're looking at a uh, we're getting so inside baseball I love yeah. it. um uh we're looking at a post or, or or everything that Petty Chayefsky said was you know was going to happen it but like played it off in network is now actually happening yeah. and and it becomes a numbers thing as opposed to i mean it becomes a, it's not about the content it's about the product and the selling of the the airtime and all of that and also to make them make one particular MSNBC stand up above all the rest or to play to their constituents and so
1: I'm thinking about:
0: Are they optimistic? Do they even think about that?
1: Well, look, I think reporters and the me- the media, you know, whatever part of the media you want to talk about, is certainly when they're covering Trump live, they are certainly anticipating they're going to hear something that is shocking or new or something, you know, and they and, want and, to hear. And what he that also is. he also plays yeah, absolutely. You know that. He knows that exactly right, right you know. But um, it's not like you can't, you know. There's some people who call like, for instance. I was just reading, uh, do you remember Campbell Brown? She used to be a, yeah. you know, right? yeah. NBC and CBS, and mm-hmm. she's married to Dan Senior, who was yeah, the yeah, main yeah, apologist yeah, for yeah, George yeah. W. Bush. And she says this is all the media's fault for the rise of Trump, and I don't think it's the media's fault for the rise of Trump. It is a confluence of factors. Uh, I, w- I would say you can you can certainly lump one part of the media in there. Fox News right. uh, uh, kind of helped the, the rise of Trump, you know, with demonization of everything that democrats and moderate republicans were trying to accomplish but um you know it's you can't pin it on the media the media is bringing you is is by and large the mainstream media feels that the american people are not completely stupid and are just trying to give them you know information and it, certainly it is filtered and all that stuff and i know you know the when you it say it's filtered it's filtered through what well you know it's edited and, and you uh, know there's right. a point of view of you know what in, right. what what you're going to cover and and you know what particular soundbite you pull out of a 40 minute speech or something like that but you know I, by and large i don't buy that you know it's the media's fault that trump rose i mean it's you know, I, I hate to do, you know, people are saying like it's like Hitler's rise. And it's, Hitler's rise was a completely different thing. It was a completely different day and age. Most people in Germany and most people around the world, when they read press coverage of Hitler, the words that Hitler was saying was, was not really uh, communicated as much as, Oh, he's attracting these massive crowds, and the crowds are getting bigger every day. And everybody, you know, and in the United States, the the pre-war coverage of Hitler was very fawning. It was very much like this guy is a man of taste and, and culture, and he wants to do. The and it was thing. also
0: just I think that, that it's so interesting to give the context, and I'm not I'm not in any way an apolog, an apologetic or I'm not, I'm an apologist for what Hitler is doing. Right. But I also have to say we have to remember that the the global economy was had crashed, right, and we have to remember. That here's a guy who's making the trains run on time. And the cities look great, and people are working.
1: Right, and there was still a lot of resentment in Germany at that time about World War One. Absolutely, what had happened in World War One, right. and they wanted to prove there that they were not an impotent uh, thing again. You know, and, and, and so the, the the the
0: global the globe is watching that, saying, "Oh, they brought themselves out. Yes. of, they phoenixed themselves out of it, and look at that. Everybody looks great.
1: Yeah, but then you, my, I guess my point is that there wasn't a television. Component And certainly in, you know, non-Germanic uh, speaking countries, there wasn't a translation where you could see exactly what this guy was saying and the ideas that he was doing. And it wasn't well reported back then. You know, people talk about the good old days and how awful newspaper reporting and journalism is today. Back in the early nineteen hundreds, it was abysmal. Well, there's something called yellow journalism. Yes. Let's not forget that. Yeah, right. You know, and
0: I I gotta say, I have not really read about that very much lately. Um, or heard I me mean, like Hearst was, you know, William Rand of Hearst, you know, he was like, get out there and make news. Remember yeah. the main, like isn't didn't yes. he make like that? Absolutely. Yeah. That was him, know, yes, he, you know, manufactured he manufactured the uh, manufactured Spanish a, American War, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. He, he manufactured the Spanish American mm-hmm. War in order to
1: sell like mm-hmm. is there anything of that Equivalent now? No. No, because we have... People see things. People have access to, you know, to, un, to unadulterated, unfiltered events. You know, I don't see, see seeing Trump unfiltered is necessarily a bad thing. I just hope that people will start to think more critically about... what. But And also, I think, you know, even though we hear... That's the other thing, is that people are... You know, they they say, oh, well, Trump is this gaining in popularity, and he's, you know, this is, like, really a, a big thing. Anything can happen, but right now, nationwide, his unfavorability rating is 78%. There has been nobody who's had a 78% unfavorability uh, rating who's about to become the nominee of their party. <laughs> I and, and nobody, nobody. I know. Nobody. So that aberration right there makes me make it really makes me say, okay, it's not
0: Hitlerian or Nazi ish, mm-hmm. but there is a common denominator in that Venn diagram. There's a, there's an intersection in the middle there. Yeah. And again, I totally understand what you're saying. I absolutely agree with yeah. with that. And and uh, and yet, I'm also saying, what is that thing where where that where both those circles cross over? And you're going, okay, so there's somebody with 78 percent non-approval rating, or we don't like you. And he's about, he's clearly about to win the nomination. Now, by the time this comes out, maybe some, certainly something will happen. Something. Who the fuck knows? Yep. But at the same time, I'm looking, going, what, what, what? Yeah. Millions of people. Yes, yes. And so when. Uh, you talk about the McCarthy hearing the House of American Activity Committee hearing and that one uh, general from the army came out something Smith was that his name I can't remember Yeah, but I'm really pulling that out doing really well so uh, Smith's going there and he's saying uh, sir have you no shame in front of the committee and I think that that was the tipping point for a lot of people going that's a general Mm -hmm. and he's talking like that's a general that we respect and I'm hoping that and what you're saying is this inundate like keep showing have the media keep showing yeah. who this man is and to know it's not it's not to not think that it's a way for not, not just a way for the media to sell airtime but it's also a service and for me I love newspapers news media I love it and I've loved it ever since I was a child yeah And I live it, and I feed on it. And I am not one to go, oh, the mainstream media is really here to screw us over. I'm saying, there's a service that was done. There's a service that is done. And the service is for you to maybe wait, for you to have an opportunity any moment that you want to
1: wake up and to see what the fuck is going on. Yeah. yeah. Now, going back, though, to um, what we were saying about the... Army McCarthy hearings and all that stuff, uh, and Murrow, that was a time in our period when the media and the military had a lot of respect in in the United States and around the world. It has been less so lately, and I think that the two parts of this, I think the reason that the military has less respect is because of the press, because the press has shown what bad things can go on in the military and, and, and you know, the, the stupid stuff that happens in Iran-Contra hearings, and, uh, uh, affair, and, and the Iraq War and all that stuff, which I was at, you know, and, and uh, you know, didn't, turns out in retrospect, didn't have to be, didn't have to learn how to put a gas mask on or anything like that, you Look know. At but, the amazing waste of resources in human life. That's yeah. just so... Yeah. But now the media, now it's just, I just think that the media, people, you know, say, oh, it's, this is the media's fault because they are not looking critically at the media. and say? Uh, the American public. Okay. And, uh, and, and that they are not, they are inundated with so many now different types of media. Anybody can start a website, anybody can start an app and all that stuff. And anybody can post things on apps and things like that. And if you're loud enough and forceful enough, you know, that that voice breaks through. And I think that there needs to be some sort of, you know, I, again, I'm a, I'm a First Amendment absolutist. And I think people have the right to to say things and and all that stuff. But I also think that sometimes there has to be some sort of limit on the anonymity and cruelty and crudeness that comes out that gets attention. Got it. Got it.
0: Uh, Are you referring to things like I bet this is included in it (laughs) Um, reading the comments on anything yeah don't
1: read the comments it's, you know <laughs> unless you want to just unless you want to get like get mad and just like, get riled up
0: and i think that that's it right there to go i am mad and i am riled up and so that that is you aiming your boat towards the sirens yeah and to say this you you got to know how this is going to end yeah for you yeah and it's going to end for you that you are
1: riled Arryled and I start to engage and you don't want to you should not don't engage no unless and for a good purpose absolutely I mean. and to
0: know to know that at some point again there's going to be a personal I, 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 this is the tipping point Joe there's going to be a personal tipping point where you're going why do I feel so sick right now and yeah. the reason you <laughs> feel so sick right now is you made yourself sick by eating yes. that crap yes. <laughs> right. and you get any opportunity at any time you want
1: you can go you know what I'm full I'm full <laughs> I'm (coughs) full. I mean, any number of times, I, you know, I, now this is all what I try to do in social media, and I try to separate myself from this. I try to keep, when Facebook started, I thought Facebook was great. There's, I'm seeing, I'm catching up with friends I haven't seen in years, and I'm seeing their personal accomplishments, their new jobs, their ski vacation, their kids, (coughs) and all that stuff. And, and I like going to Facebook to see that. And, you know, now Facebook has kind of become this, you know, national political sparring place. And, you know, I know, like, for instance, you use it, you know, mainly for, um, you know, the anti-gun uh, stuff, which I think is really admirable. I just can't get engaged on Facebook with all of that stuff. I, I just like to remember, you know, I'm just a nostalgist. I like to remember how it was when all we were doing is typing status. It's like, you know, Bruce Ryan today is... Feeling great, you know.
0: But you and Don, uh, Don West, like your 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 wife and auteur, yeah. um, you guys post stuff that is of that that is that that matches that nostalgia. Where yes. <laughs> I see pictures of where does it you go, where it is that you are, or Dawn will have a new camera and you'll uh, like a, a new 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 state of the art technology. So I'll, we'll see 180, 360 degrees. and yeah. you're going underground with the camera or a underwater camera or a project that she's on, and it's all very effervescent and ebullient, and it's very it, it it just it's a celebratory. thing. Yeah, or just at least it's it's a respite. It's, it's it's, it's absolutely it's, it's, it's restful and that. and yet and not and yet but since your retirement I've also noticed you are dipping your water into you're dipping your toe into the water of because um, I, I think that while you were at CBS you 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 didn't engage that much at all in Ab- anything
1: political correct? Correct. correct right absolutely could, could not now I'm watching was, was, it. was yes on Twitter I you know I I um, much more active on Twitter than I was, and I'm certainly much more opinionated on Twitter than I was. And and I just like to separate that, Facebook, from Twitter. For me, and, you know, your mileage may vary, everybody, but, but, um, you know, Facebook is a closed set of friends that you are dealing with. And your friends, and I don't know, it depends on how many friends you have, but your friends, you know, are your friends, and most of them probably share much of the views that you have because you're friends and if they don't I don't think there's really a lot that is going to change their opinion on Twitter even though I'm not sure that there's a lot of changing of opinion I think there's a a a opportunity for a greater dialogue and you're engaging with more people that you do not know and that and that are outside of your realm but maybe influential in certain respects you can tweet to the president you can tweet to whomever well
0: it's very interesting to me that when i'm on american airlines and i am in the in mid-flight mm-hmm. and something's going on on the plane oh yeah, yeah. you know not not like a, a hostage situation yeah, yeah. but could it be colder here what's, <laughs> what's the deal with the, why is this guy's bare feet on the, on the bulkhead yeah. and uh i know that if i tweet something while I'm in the air, I will get a response. While I'm in the air, yeah, yeah, yeah. And with GoGo, which is the in-flight uh, Wi-Fi, yeah. if I go, this ain't working for me right mm-hmm. now. It's just not working for me. Yeah. They, I will hear back from
1: them immediately yeah. in the air. Yeah, and I think Twitter is good for that. I, 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 you know, I'm, I know, I'm, I'm kind of like of two minds of the things. I kind of hate twitter and i hate that i like twitter Mm -hmm. you know but i like twitter for that type of immediate type of interaction that we can have with other people and people that we otherwise would never be able to interact with i mean you're not going to get on a phone and get on the customer service at the you know when you're five thousand feet in there but i you know i so i i like that I, i sometimes twitter gets out of hand but i'm also of the opinion that you know over, over the long you know the the you know the, the the arc of the moral universe you know is long but ultimately it bends towards justice and i think that new technologies are used and abused in their infancy and then i think people get used to it and it becomes part of their lives and you know it's not it doesn't create the problem that it was before i mean if you remember i i was just thinking about this the other day like when email first happened email was this weird thing and you would like you would get weird emails and these spam emails and things like that, and it's terrible. But now email is just email and it's just like it's right. just part of the thing and you don't worry about you know he's got a spam filter and nothing. <laughs> you know, no, you I mean, do remember you, that yeah. too, where going, you go, know, Oh god, all this spam. Yeah, all this spam and right. like, yeah, and like what do I do with this email? Do I have to respond to this email right away? You know, what what is email but now, and yeah. and now it's just it's just there, it's like a telephone. It's part of it's it's how we communicate. But Twitter You know, to Facebook to some extent, but Twitter, I think, and then all this new stuff like Snapchat and, and, you know, all the other things, that is, like, still being, like, you know, the the envelope is being pushed by people, and I think it basically is going to revert back to some sort of middle, even though the middle is going to be a little bit further pushed than it was before. Absolutely.
0: I love the idea that, that um, whatever the technology is, it's going to be abused at the beginning. Yes, Because um, I have this, this, this theory, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, and uh, frequent listeners will go, David's going to tell this stupid story again. Um, it's um, time machines. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> after, ev- after everybody keeps killing Hitler... and then people keep having making sure that whoever's going to kill hitler is killed before they kill hitler like after all that (laughs) is done this is what i'm going to use my time machine for so i teach a class uh uh, i teach a class i teach a class i teach a class in an area where it's tough to park on tuesdays and that's when i have my class on tuesdays Mm -hmm. but on wednesdays it's really easy to park yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna take on tuesday Take my car in the time machine, park on Wednesday, <laughs> go to Tuesday, teach my class, yeah. <laughs> go back to Wednesday, get
1: my car, and then come home. That is an efficient use of a time machine. That is what's going to happen.
0: That's going to happen. And people are also going to do things like they'll go to pavilions and you'll say, this coupon, oh, that expired two weeks ago. <laughs> you go, So you go back, you use your time machine, go back two weeks Get that, the thing, yeah, and then good. go back home and yeah, un- unload
1: your. Lo- your and hopefully, your, your, it hasn't you know pr- expired. Right. You know? The, oh, absolutely, the, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs>
0: absolutely. <laughs> um, and and yeah, there's also other technology where you go where you think, oh, this technology is going to be around for fucking ever. How lovely! Like the modem, where you thought like the sound of a, the dial up modem. Yeah. Where I thought that was going to be with right. me. That's, and, over, that's oh right. my god! Yeah. Like, going, how do we live with this for the rest of our lives? Yeah. Like, ah, yeah. And then it went away.
1: Yeah, it went away. The I fax know. machine. I know. And we thought that was going to be, you know, we every point we thought, well, this is like the best thing that's going to happen. This, you know, the BlackBerry. That is, when I got my first BlackBerry, I said, okay, stop it. This is great. I don't. <laughs> want, I don't want anything else you know but obviously right. I did need something else right yeah. well
0: I, I also look at what what what, uh, uh, what Dawn what, uh, again uh, Dawn is just a great auteur she does the, these movies and I've been in I don't know seven or eight of them and I look at Dawn and Dawn is just so into the current technology yes. that's being done and she gets really excited mm-hmm. about it and to go okay here's uh, my neighborhood's backing up the entire <laughs> block is backing up um, uh, so here's this technology that we have and she wants to know more and more and more and more because what ends up happening is her her, she didn't know that she had blinkers on and so she's a, the blinders on so she's able to look more and more and more at the world and say the medium is the message
1: yeah yeah well the medium is the message I do agree with that because the medium helps you explore the message in a different way what I like though about Dawn and, and, and her the way she thinks and, and her movies and things like that is she, yeah she's going to use the new um, technology but Content is still king. Content, you know, it still has to be something that is, you know, a, a human heart at the at, in the middle of all this technology. Like, for instance, when we did those 360 videos yes. with you and Carrie Clifford right. at, the, at, at LACMA, and they were very funny and everything, and it was kind of cool to see you and Carrie, you know, on this thing, and you can spin around and see the art behind you and see, like, patrons, what they're doing. Are they looking at you? It wasn't just a focused look at what you're doing, but... What you were doing was at the heart of, of what of what it was, and, and that's what made it watchable.
0: And and but what Dawn doesn't correct me if I'm wrong. I I would think this is what I think that she doesn't is she'll get the technology. She'll she'll use the technology before she writes something to fit that technology. Oh yes. So right. what she'll do is she'll she'll have that camera and fuck around with it. Oh yes. And just keep oh, we did a lot of stuff with that 360 camera. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, right, Absolutely. Yeah. And then eventually to say okay the 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 medium the medium the medium the 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 machine that I think I'm inspired enough to be able to to write something yeah to write something with heart right that connects with that right
1: right right and uh, you know it, it, it's it's kind of hard to predict what exactly those what medium is going to stick, you know, what what new technology and everything is going to stick. Like, we're talking about this 360 virtual reality stuff. Is that going to stick? It's still very much in its infancy. Absolutely. But, you know, Dawn's going to try it, you know, and see right. what happens. You know, right. if it turns out that VR is a passing fad like many other things were then you know so be it but we're gonna you know, try
0: it out it's living in the moment with what it is that you have in the moment yeah and and to say okay this is it's that horrible rumsfeld thing where we we go to war with the army that we have so it's it's that feeling of this is what we have right now whether it's going to be this in the future or this in the past it doesn't matter we're using this and and right now after after this interview i'm gonna we're gonna take pictures with my 120 black and white camera that's love it you know and they're looking to go I have a 120 black and white camera that was my dad said he got when he was at Cagnoe Air Force Base in the Korean War yeah and they go that's the camera right there that's what he had right there Mm -hmm. and so we're going back to that knowing we're going back to that because it feels
1: different. It feels different, and it's new to people, you know, who have not experienced that uh, that type of thing, and then, so that's a, a revelatory thing as well. Absolutely, you know, as long as the as long as the technology, whatever it is, from the 1900s or you know, two years from now, is used in a prudent and and thoughtful way, then I think it all has relevance. It doesn't have to be like you know, obsolete. Uh, you have a dial telephone there. You know? I have a dial yeah. telephone there, and yeah. I have
0: a dial telephone there because, and it is—I do have a landline, and that's plugged in, and I never use it. And when it rings, it's I know that I should never answer it. <laughs> so uh, I, have a, I have a dial phone because it helps me hear. Because I, yeah, I've gone to a lot of concerts, and I just can't fucking hear. And so that phone—if I know I'm going to be on—it's like it's a 1920s dial-up phone. It's a beautiful phone too. It's baked light. It's black. Um, but to know. <laughs> to know that from where we came yeah and also to look at that and that that moves me that i, I could see my grandmother using that phone i could see my dad holding on to his yeah, camera that's... i could see all that stuff so growing growing older we start to be inspired by other things but we're also inspired by the past too yes
1: and parenthetically it's interesting you brought up hearing <laughs> because i've been worrying about my hearing too you know i it, I used to never have a problem with my hearing. Now, sometimes, you know, I watch television and, you know, I, I thank God there's the clicker back, you know, eight second second back button or right. the the, 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 closed caption. the closed caption thing. And I, the thing that really got to me was when I was watching the Grammys and um, I, you know, I know I'm in the distinct minority on this, but. I just don't get this Hamilton musical. Okay, <laughs> and I think part of the problem is I've listened to it, listened to like uh, the part of the performance there. You know, it's like one of the, the opening song or something mm-hmm. like that. And I've seen other parts of it, and I'm just I can't follow it. And I just think, am I just like really like an old? Am I my parents now? Am I an old geezer or what? What's what's happening to me? So I mean, <laughs> so, I, mean I, I I I like to embrace modern culture and stuff like that but sometimes i think modern culture is kind of maybe passing me by the other thing is like this beyonce Mm lemonade thing Mm -hmm. you know which i think is great she has focused that she that is for not it's not for me it's not for you and me it's for a sector of the population primarily young black women and older black women i guess uh You know to empower them and to validate them and i think it's great it's it's a it's a work of art it's a work of performance art it is i think she has made a cultural statement with it it's certainly not entertainment and it's not entertainment that's directed toward me although it's for you it is not entertainment for me it's not it's it's also not entertainment because it's not directed towards you correct but i mean I but i appreciate that it is a cultural statement that is that is resonating very powerfully right. with with other people you recognize that it's entertainment it's just not entertainment for you correct and right. and I don't even know though that it's necessarily entertaining to those people who are listening to it i think that they are absorbing it as maybe you know as they would absorb a a, a piece of art in a museum or something like that as or or a speech or something it is it is you know she's presenting a point of view in a very powerful way which you know I'm not going to try to you know to take for myself I mean it is not it, 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 she you don't have to, you don't have to do any machinations in order to say how is how is beyonce speaking to me yeah yeah 57 year old white man and beyonce doesn't care about me <laughs> no, at, no, at all no when she was making this thing she might care about 57 year old white men but she doesn't care about me so uh, you know so so and, and that's fine and I think and I really applaud that she has done this thing that has resonated so much but it's just weird that I used to think that I was kind of like in the middle of pop culture and, and modern American culture and knew what was going on and could appreciate what was going on and music and all that stuff like that now I see that it, there is kind of like a a divide which I just have to accept but which is which is fine I do accept
0: right yeah. no I, I get it I get it and, and the thing is to be always be mindful of the moments that you do enter into those segments where you want to say the, uh, those episodes where you want to say hey kids get off my lawn yeah or that yeah that music that you're listening to is noise yeah. or that isn't the appropriate thing to wear yeah like all those things to say these people are, and and I think that this what is what makes artists artists is to look at it and say, this is what's happening right now. That's what's happening. Yeah, and to, and to to as. Seldom as we can have a judgment about it that closes us off from the experience of what it is, mm-hmm. you know. So I understand what you're saying about Hamilton. I get it. I mean, I totally get it yeah. on a bunch of different levels. Laura really. Laura says she she, she you know she wants me to listen to it yeah, online. I, mean, I appreciate and that. No, yeah, no yeah, I yeah, do too. Yeah. And we're we're when it comes to the Pentagas, we're going to go for her birthday. Oh wow. 2017. We already have it all planned <laughs> out. <a> very <laughs> nice present. It's a really plan. lovely it present. Is, yes, and. Yet, I also think that I don't know that if, if I'm listening to it, am I hearing it? Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know that when I'm hearing it, am I listening to it? Yeah. There's yeah. a difference there. Yeah. So, when I'm hearing it, am I listening to it? And if it did have that closed caption, yeah. would it pull me in? Yeah. Because we oh, were watching yes. that, <laughs> uh, that, just uh, Elba movie, uh, the, the Beasts of No Nation. Beasts of No Nation, yeah, right. I didn't understand the <laughs> fucking word that those people were saying. <laughs> but then we stopped it and we started it again with closed caption and it pulled us in because right. we were able to have the experience that other people are having who can hear here you know yeah and when and 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 the idea of uh, like as we grow older can we maintain that spirit of I'm here just to experience it and when something pushes up against my my ethics or my morality or taste can I take a moment to say what? Is, why is that pushing up against me? Instead of just putting it in a box that that makes it say just go away, just take this away from me.
1: Yeah, and it's just like you know you can't you can't deny your past. Where we were the way when we were raised and, and were in our twenties and thirties, there was a way that we would listen or experience culture and music and and television and things like that. And now those people, the younger people, are doing it in a different way which is completely valid and everything and you know it's it's okay we have to try to accept that but you we can't get rid of what we have been ingrained with in the past right yeah I, I, I remember my friend Scott Werner and
0: I when a new Yes album would come <laughs> out uh, uh, when a new yes album, would you're a Robin Trauer guy, yeah, right? You're really big on Robin Trauer, yes. Um, so same sort of feeling when a new yes album would come out, we would grab it from the record store, we mm. would take our bikes over to one of our houses. I would go to his house, remember, we going yeah. to Scott Werner's house on our bike, go slam the bike in the backyard, run upstairs, and we would put the record on in his bedroom and both of us lie on the bed at the same time and just listen, yeah. Now, yeah. if you said if somebody down knew was like, I'm going over to Bob's, we're going to listen to records. And it was like, what do you mean? It's like, we're going to put a record on and lie in the bed. I'm like, what? What, <laughs> what? what are you doing? Yeah. What are you talking Why would you do that? Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah.
1: But what we would do is lie in the bed and we would read the liner notes. Right. Leave the liner notes, read along with the lyrics if the lyrics have to be printed. Absolutely. And, you know, look, within two or three listenings to an album that I was really into, like a Robin Trower album or any album, The Who, The Stones, The Beatles, whatever, you know, I would pretty much have learned all of the words to all of the songs and and I knew it just by listening to it and I I would learn it and I would I would suspect that if I played a Robin Trower album who's not, you know, really well known to younger people these days and they would like not understand a word that was going it was, it's music that is completely foreign to them and right. they don't have they don't have the capacity the the, the background to absorb it like I was able right. to absorb it. And that's okay. And that's okay, absolutely. It's just the new thing. And you have to accept that, that there's you know a new way of absorbing things, but you can't, it's hard to dissociate yourself from the old way of, of absorbing things. Right.
0: Whew. Let's end there. Okay. That was really good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Bruce and I spoke for over an hour and we barely scratched the surface of his Awesome career and life. Uh, thank you, Bruce Rains. Enjoy your banjo picking in your retirement. Picking? Plucking? Picking. I'm sticking with picking. Okay, my workshop comings and goings. May 6th through the 8th, I'll be at the Verge Theater in Bozeman, Montana. May 13th through the 15th, I'll be at Pan Theater's new San Francisco space. May 20th, I'll be at Side Stage Improv in San Diego. June 6th, I've got two workshops in one day at the Magnet Theater. Uh, if you live somewhere, chances are I'll be teaching there. Check out DaveRozowski.com for info. ADD Comedy with Dave Rozowski is produced by Laura Parker and me. You like our show? Give us some love on iTunes, won't you? Send questions and comments to Dave at ADDComedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears.